Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Very good morning. It's Yaul Raushan with you on Your Money. Now, we've been talking about it earlier, about discussing wine and speaking to someone about investing in wine. Let's just set it up for us. Now, earlier this year, a report by the Future Laboratory of, on behalf of Cult Wine Investment found that we are starting to see a new generation of what's called identity investors. The term basically describes investors turning to alternative asset investments that include comic books, sneakers and wines, looking for cultural cash along with the healthy returns. Now, as we take a look at how markets have been performing so far this year, we're seeing S&P 500 dropping more than 19%, Nasdaq dropping more than 28%, and closer to home, the SDI dropping more than 4%. So in an economic environment where we're expecting looming recessions, how has alternative asset investments fared so far against this backdrop? More specifically, can wine investments help investors hedge against the effects of rising inflation, which has gripped economies all around the world? And if so, how can one go about investing in wine? Well, our next guest is responsible for the construction and active management of tailor-made fine wine portfolios for Asia-Pacific investors seeking asset class diversification at Cult Wines. He also joined the company after working for J. JP Morgan Private Bank, advising ultra-high net worth clients and family offices in the Silicon Valley, New York and Latin America. We are pleased to welcome back with us Nico Monroy, Director of Southeast Asia Cult Wines, to tell us more. Nico, how are you doing? Hey, Roshan, thank you for having me. Doing great, thank you. Excellent to have you with us, Nico. Now, I'm personally very excited about this conversation. So, please tell me, what trends are you seeing in the alternative asset investments? Were there any that surprised you? Well, yeah, I think this year has been quite a surprise for anyone invested in anything. <laughs> and I guess we always have talked about kind of like the resiliency of wine and alternatives, but I guess the proof is in the pudding. And this year has been tremendously positive for us. Uh, I think the wine market is up by, last time I checked, 13%. I think you were mentioning S&P down by 20. That's like a 35% like percentage points outperformance. Uh, so yes, it's been wow. quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fa- fascinating. It has been interesting. Now, you are responsible for the construction and active management of TaylorMade Fine Wine Portfolios for Asia-Pacific Investors. Nico, could you walk us through your portfolio and share with us how it performed? Yeah, sure. Uh, so our portfolios are quite diversified in terms of vintage and regions. Uh, we have basically exposure to Burgundy, Bordeaux, Rhone, Champagne, uh, California wines, what we call rest of the world. So you have also some countries such as uh, Spain, Chile, Argentina. So it's basically the way we, we build portfolios is definitely aiming for diversification and optimization of returns. Portfolios so far, as I said, this year are up by 13% or so. Regions that have really outperformed tremendously, Burgundy and Champagne, those are almost at 30% up year to date. Pretty much all other region is at around 10% uh, positive. Wine fundamentals have really just not changed. It's a supply-demand imbalance market. Uh, There's just not enough wine and there's just this growing demand. And as we have more and more investors plugging into the market globally, there's just not enough of this wine. So that's kind of like what's driving the market. And then if you piled up on top of that, rates rising, volatility, inflation, we just seen a tremendous, I guess, uh, inflow of just more uh, funds coming into the space. 
Yeah, Nico, you bring up inflation there. As inflation continues to rise, one would think that the performance of luxury goods like wine would decline. So how come this isn't the case and what were the drivers behind these gains? Oh, but to be honest, I think actually wine historically, and if you think about it, it's, it's kind of like an inflation hedge. Prices tend to be marked to market. So if inflation goes up and prices go up, wine tends to keep up with that. Also, kind of like everything that goes into making wine, if those prices rise, the price of the wine would also rise. So uh, historically, it's just performed well during even rate rising environments. So I'm not actually surprised by keeping up with it. Obviously, we've ne- we have not seen this sort of inflationary environment in the last, I don't know, in the, in the recent, in recent history, to be honest. So we'll see. And I think that definitely, I mean, it would be expected, it would be prudent if the market might take a bit of a softening just because it's run tremendously well given the current conditions. And also, if you think about it, like as rates get higher and higher, obviously, investors are going to be kind of like interested in, in, in putting money more into kind of like bonds or things that basically guarantee you a, like, you know, a rate, especially if this rate keeps going up. Yeah, that's an excellent point you make, Nico. Now, if you're just joining us, welcome along. It is Money FM, your money. And we're talking to Nico Monroy, Director of Southeast Asia Cult Wines. Now, Nico, I just want to touch on something. What a weakening pound means for fine wine. We should be all familiar with the roller coaster performance of the British pound <laughs> this year. I mean, it's hard to avoid the news. This has made news for UK governments, mini budget tax cuts, borrowing plans triggered, sharp sell off in sterling. So tell us, Nico, what does the volatile British pound mean for the fine wine market? Let me ask you something, Raushan. Do you like discounts? I, I do. I thought you were going to ask me if I like wine. The answer would have been the same as well. <laughs> I'm sure you also like fine wine. But yeah, so if you're looking at something that you've been wanting for a while, say, like, you know, a very nice Rolex, and all of a sudden, one day to the next, they're giving you 16% discount. On the same watch, nothing's changed. Wouldn't you like that? 100%. Okay, so it's the same principle. Actually, when the pound weakens, just demand, especially for non-GBP holders, hmm. increases to the, to the point that actually it, it brings performance into the market. So this doesn't really happen often, fortunately, but the last time we see some, something like this happen was during the Brexit referendum vote. Uh, so think about it, like May 2016 or so, pound dropped by about 15%. And then if you think about the fact that, that the next 12 months, the wine market actually went up by 13 hmm. And when you converted that back to, I guess, you, like US dollars, if you t- like took advantage of, I guess, the weakening pound, when you translated those returns back to dollars, you were out by 30 mm. in USD terms. So the fundamentals, again, don't change, right? It's, it's a supply-demand imbalance market. And what happens is that if you think about a pound weakening and perhaps recovering, which we've seen in the last few weeks, your returns actually might benefit from taking advantage of a temporary discount. I used to, as, as you mentioned earlier, I, I used to cover other side of more traditional asset classes. And usually we used to tell investors it's very hard to time the market, pretty much impossible. But there is a time where you can be opportunistic about it. Mm. And when they offer you a 16% discount, that's the sort of opportunity if you're sitting on the sat line of you have any cash, this is when you should absolutely consider maybe going in. I think you make a very valid point. But I just want to ask you, you talk about opportunities there being the chance to be taken, right? But to what extent are you seeing and expecting an increase in queries and deals from foreign buyers then? Oh, uh, I mean, all this is anecdotal because the money, uh, the information kind of like flows slowly. But the weekend after actually the pound weekend, so end of September, we saw a significant uptick from our counter trading partners, both in Asia and the U.S. 
And I guess the reason is they've seen the movie play before. <laughs> so you absolutely understand what's going to happen. And actually, those investors, if you look at where the pound was versus Sing Dollar, for example, it was a 154, I think, at some point, and now it's 162. Yep. Just on the currencies, people have already made about 6% or so. So I, I always like to bring it back to fundamentals. But obviously, if you're in the trade, if you are kind of like keeping tabs on what's going on with wine, the wine, I mean, the wine market is for the most part, denominated in GBP and is an asset that is denominated in GBP. But nothing, like, you know, the asset is not a reflection of the currency, right? Mm. So whatever is happening with the currency is one thing, and mm. it would be volatile for the foreseeable future, I guess. Yeah. But what happens in the wine market is quite different. And it's a market that, as, as a market, has one-third, one-fourth of the volatility of equities. Yeah. So and I'd like to ask you why time, that is so, to be why? fair. Because why do you think the performance of wine investments tend to be less rocky in comparison to other stocks or alternative asset classes? I mean, if I can put a few words, is is due to the illiquidity premium in a way. When you see volatility and, and people need to kind of like exit their positions or raise cash for for whatever reason, say that you have a margin call or you just need to raise cash for whatever, or you just want to step out of a market, right? In wine, because of the illiquidity of the market, mm. right? If, even though it's a market that trades daily, you don't actually can exit usually positions that quickly because you're talking about a commodity that needs to be shipped, that needs to be reviewed, provenance needs to be guaranteed. Uh, just assuming that you're moving a case from point A to point B, mm. it needs to be checked be- before payment is made and, and settled. Yep. So is that a liquidity that actually has investors when it's a down market to actually, it kind of like prevents them from selling, which creates down pressure on prices. So that's literally what explains the low volatility, right? When, when markets really go into stress times, so say, for example, global financial crisis, yep. COVID, wine in those very extreme scenarios was down by 3% at most mm. versus very wild swings in like, you know, in other more traditional markets. Of course. And that is just, a, I guess, a factor of the liquidity that in this specific cases protects you from the downside. Yeah, we talk about protection. I just want to try and understand what would it take then for wine to become a victim of inflation? If we go into a hyperinflationary market, I guess, that would definitely soften demand to some extent, right? Like, I think that even the, the wealthiest of investors at some point would take a pause and, and think twice about, I guess, an investment or a purchase that could seem a little unnecessary at a given point. Yeah. But aside from that, to be honest, I don't see inflation really affecting the market much at this point. It's a good hedge, to be honest. It's kind of like any tangible good. Prices tend to keep up. With, with market just because they can be repriced pretty much in, in real time. So the wine as is, the wine that is already produced and is already trading is going to probably keep its prices as is. The new wine that's coming, I guess, down the line, the, the wine that has been produced at this very moment, mm-hmm. that wine is going to be definitely more expensive because making that wine is just getting more expensive. So again, it's, it's just a hedge. Prices will keep up with, with, with the market with the market is at that point. Okay, thank you for that, Nico. Now, if you're just joining us, welcome along to Money FM 89.3. We are speaking to Nico Monroy, Director of Southeast Asia at Cult Wines. We all know, most of us know about drinking wine. What about investing in wine? That's what we're trying to understand from Nico Monroy. Nico, why do you think fine wine as a hedge against inflation is often overlooked? To be honest, I think... People have always associated wine with drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So Guilty as charged. Yeah, I know, and which is, I guess, it's fine, right? So, when, when if you come if you come to the table with that framework, and you think of like, oh, I'm gonna invest, I don't know, I'm gonna put fifty thousand, you know, fifty thousand saying or a hundred thousand saying into a portfolio pool of wine, that sounds like a lot of money if you're thinking of drinking that much, mm, right? Mm. 
But if you're actually thinking of putting that money aside for like, you know, saving or for buying up, like buying property or like, you know, that, that's sort of like an investment framework. And if you look at it as an alternative, then it fits totally like it checks all the boxes. Yep. So I invite everyone actually to 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 look at the, the features of wine as an asset. So it's totally uncorrelated. It has one third, one four of the volatility of equities. It has given you about eight to ten percent annualized return over the last twenty five years. And in moments like this, like this year, which has been crazy, you're actually positive by thirteen versus being negative by I don't know twenty yeah. <laughs> if you're into equities. Yeah. So I'm definitely not saying that you know this is something where you put all your money. Mm. But if you're really looking for true, true diversification, which and, and this year, at least, you should bonds be. have not given you that, yeah. and Bitcoin has not given you that. Yep. Look into like a tangible asset, such as wine, which is fun, which is something that you can get really into. And if you do it through, I guess, advisors like ourselves, you can actually both check the passion box and make some money in the process. Yeah, and probably drink some wine in the process as well. Now, don't uh, take it from absolutely. me. Take it from Nico, who knows what he's talking about. Nico, I'm sold. I just need what tips and advice do you have for investors then looking to dip their toes in the wine market now? How should they start and where should they be looking at? They should reach out to us. And <laughs> to then, start with? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, but I would say, look, there's two key two things about performance, which is you definitely need to be aware of price. Mm. That there's same wine could have different prices, so definitely keep an eye for that. It's there's arbitrage right there, and the other thing is is access. Sometimes getting a hold of certain producers and certain bottles is basically impossible unless you have a way of getting into that. So for those people that are interested into getting their you know their toes in in this market, I would say even though there's platforms where you can do this yourself, my advice is first start with an advisor like a firm such as ourselves or like there's other options out there, but basically do it through someone that has been in the market that can tell you what trends are when prices are fair or when they're expensive. Mm. And you can absolutely actually take advantage of opportunistic opportunities in the, I mean, <laughs> opportunities in this market yeah. because it does make a difference whether you put money to work today mm. or if you put it to work tomorrow and the currency that you're using. So again, go make a consultation, talk to an advisor, try to understand really what this is all about. But there's definitely an opportunity here for investors that actually sit in cash or looking for true diversification. Fabulous, Nico. I just want to understand, what should investors then be watching out for? Because we talk about what's there to be gained. We must be mm-hmm. wary of what's there to be lost as well, right? So what factors may lead to the deceleration of the wine market and what should investors be careful about? I think investors should be careful about, well, I mean, this, this one might come across as super basic, but storage is important. Mm. Make sure that you're doing this in a professional manner. You could have bought the best bottle of wine, but if you have it in your fridge, <laughs> it might not have too high of a resale value, to mm. be honest. Mm. So that's why you kind of like do it with professionals. Provenance is also key, uh, even though there's rare that you come into counterfeit, but that could happen. As I said, pricing tends to be important. There's arbitrage out there, so it's mm. definitely important to shop for good pricing. If I was very sold into this market, things that are coming up the pipeline that sound quite interesting are champagne releases coming towards the end of the year, and then the next Burgundy and Premier campaign, which is when they release their latest vintage. Both of those tend to oversubscribe by like 3 4x, and you can already... I guess, forecast that those prices are also going to go up by that much. So if you can get your hands on any of those things, <laughs> I, would, I would definitely be happy to put in some capital there and just wait in a good few years and you're definitely going to reap the rewards of, 
of getting access to those bottles. Now, Nico has been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. It's almost like you stole the words out of my mouth because my last question was going to be, what are your, what are you looking out for for the rest of the year and what will be watching out for? You already mentioned it. So I just want to give you the chance to talk to our listeners and tell them your final word, final advice on investing in wine. Absolutely. I would say definitely uh, even, I mean, consider it. I think that obviously this wine is an alternative within the alternative category. But I think this is something when I was building more traditional portfolios, it wasn't really around that much. And I wish it could have been because definitely the benefits when you put this together in multi-asset portfolios makes a ton of sense. It improves sharp ratios. It actually makes for great stories. You get to actually enjoy enjoy really the rewards of your of your portfolio. This is something you can drink. It actually is a tangible asset that would keep up with inflation. And more like more so than that is something that over like the long term has proven like it has a proven and solid track record. So don't think about it just like a bottle that you just had last night with dinner. <laughs> think about it as a proper investment vehicle which would lead to actually long term returns. Fascinating, Nico. Thank you for differentiating drinking wine and investing wine for us. You've been an absolute joy to speak to. We've been speaking to Nico Monroy, Director of Southeast Asia at Cult Wines, right here on Money FM 89.3. Thank you, Nico. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.